Hi, and welcome to Pillar Talk. I'm Lewis. I'm Will. And I'm Joe. And each week we discuss a different theme from the world of ancient history and archaeology, going away and covering three different aspects of the topic. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to discuss ancient mythology and the, rea- rea- the realities behind them. Um, Joe's going to start off by discussing uh, Cyclopses and the true story behind them. Lewis is going to then go on to Minotaurs. And then I've got a couple of ones to talk about, but we're just going to have a general discussion about it all and see where it goes. Yeah. So, yeah. Joe? Do I begin? Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Well, um, so Cyclopses or Cyclopes, as the actual plural, it's like Octopi. Cyclopi. Um, (laughs) Here we're going to be doing Cyclopi. Um, So (laughs) you've got three different types of cyclops i'm just going to call them cyclopses because i can't i can't remember yeah. to say cyclops we're not going to get i don't have the accent for it that's just yeah um so you've got hesiod's version which were the three sons of gaia and oranos basically uranus um so the uh, the earth and the sky um who manufactured the thunderbolt weaponized by Zeus. Um, and also, according to Apollodorus, they uh, gave Poseidon a trident and a helmet for Hades. Oh. Just, you know, well, at least at least everyone got a, got a present. So it's quite sweet. Um, they're manufacturing this stuff. Yeah, so they're basically like, Hesiod's versions are really intelligent, powerful blacksmiths. Kind of oh. almost god level kind of thing. Like the um, in uh, Endgame. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm not someone who enjoys <laughs> the the Avengers. Well, no, I don't no, I do. I went I went I'm assuming went to midnight screen in Avengame. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like it that much, you know I'm more of a like, easy fan. Just a casual fan. I just want to mention that I'm a casual fan. I'm not a casual fan, but it uh, I'm glad you brought it up actually because we don't get that representation of Cyclops in the media very often. And I think we should yeah. change that. <laughs> we do well. I'm going to get on to quality uh, for cyclopses. Yeah, <laughs> justice. Just um, I'm going to uh, get on to how they're depicted um, later on. There's a point about that, but then we've got um, Homer's cyclops, which are basically just an uncivilized group of giant shepherds with one eye, with no traceable origin apart from Polyphemus, who is the one who's named in the Odyssey, who's the son of Poseidon and the nymph Thusa. And then humans, sorry. There's there's um, the other Cyclops, which are basically the ones that are famed for building the Cyclopean walls of Mycenaean Tyrans. Um the, and basically there's there's all sorts just kind of written about them. They're not don't seem to be depicted as much but basically, there's just giant walls made out of massive boulders, um, and they were apparently attributed with that. Um, so, Pliny—I I haven't written which Pliny. One of the Plinys <laughs> describes that someone named Pliny described them as the inventors of masonry towers. Which I don't really know what a masonry tower is. You'd think you'd think it'd be a bit of a ball to have massive stones up in a tower they carry things up yeah yeah but the, yeah. that's a lot of stairs it's a lot of stairs for stones that but then the cyclops um, is and they can carry a lot of stuff that is yeah. a good point that is a very good point that's why they've invented it clearly but then, um, like, do you reckon the cyclops is yeah. do you reckon they have depth of field without two eyes what and they just, they just walked into things all the time <laughs> yeah do you reckon they've actually got depth of field that's I just thought about this then. That's no spatial awareness. Bigger, isn't it? Like the, the eye is bigger, so I'm like, do you get more peripheral vision with an eye that takes the majority of the well, head? You don't have like two eyes to... Yeah. Or did it? Because some depictions are, it's just a human skull with no eyes in the sockets, but just one little eye in the forehead. So is it just one massive eye or is it just a regular human eye? Isn't it weird that like, everyone's kind of got this same description of a cyclops? But we, they don't exist unless they did. Well, thing is, well, though, I was thinking the opposite. I was like, "There's three different accounts of cyclops, cyclopses," uh, but 
they're all sort of different. Like, yeah, this, physically yeah. they describe the same, but like mm. they're all different descriptions. I mean, I mean, the third one isn't really a description; it's just actually made a wall, isn't it? Mm. But, yeah, it's more it's attributed. Yeah, but like the second one and the first one are complete opposites of each other. Mm. Well, yeah, so, they are, and that's the weird thing because um, they're all round about the same time. I think Hesiod was around 500 BC, Homer's around 700 BC, and similar, I think it were around 700 BC that these walls were made. Yeah. Um, so they devolved in that time. Yeah, it kind of, this myth just originated around that time. And, um, but with the whole Cyclopean walls, it makes you think, was this actually, this is my own little theory that I've just wedged in there. Someone's probably else has had it. Um, but there's um, basically so many things that are just attributing masonry and craft into them, so many writers, that it makes you think, has it just been passed down through oral tradition? That's that yeah. That maybe they were a race of people or like a group of people that were really good craftsmen who built this and built that. And then it's been passed down through oral tradition, mixing of regional dialect, and then it's been morphed into kind of through like Chinese whispers into oh, there were giant people with one eye. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Or maybe they had, they just had a name similar to Cyclops, and then it like, just started. They just started to be cast together. There is the. I mean, this is probably nothing to do with it, but there is the Cyclades, is it Cyclades or whatever, islands in Greece? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a um, put out there. I don't really know what they're named for, actually. I don't know if it's like cyclical winds and stuff, because I know a lot of the Greek islands are named after winds yeah. or something to do with winds. But yeah, another theory, though, is um, spearheaded by the paleontologist Athenio Abel. I think I've said his name. He's not going to be offended. It was he spearheaded it in 1914, so he's not going to be around. Um, That's horrible. It's not wow. horrible. You can't wait for that long. That's very insensitive. If it was, if it was born in 1914, it'd be 106. Some people live to 106. Yeah, but they don't spearhead <laughs> paleontology ideas while they're zero. Oh, well. You're saying if you spearhead paleontology, you never know. <laughs> Live, live fast, spearheading paleontology, die young. <laughs> so this this zero-year-old child um, theorised that um, the ancient Greeks found fossilised skulls of Pleistocene dwarf elephants, which are, they're commonly found in coastal caves around Greece, the Greek islands, Italy. So that may have given rise to the Cyclops story, especially Homer's semen as they were island-dwelling people who were assumed to be shepherds. Mm. But um, then um, the reason why people thought it was that was there's a large nasal cavity in the centre of the skull that's for the trunk of the elephant, mm. um, which might have been interpreted as just a large central eye socket. So essentially, if you, if you look at it and you, you don't, know about these things which obviously they won't have seen these pleistocene dwarf elephants because it's a long time ago so they've looked at this and thought wow that looks like a big eye that must have been a giant person's skull mm. that's that's that sounds about right it makes sense yeah yeah it does make a lot of sense i, if you, I, if I like that and all of a sudden found a skull with one eye mm. oh, you, like you wouldn't one think eye. oh yeah. a trunk must have gone there yeah exactly yeah, also there's not elephants in Greece at that time. Correct me if I'm oh, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't think I don't think there was what there was. native. I think they were before. I think yeah. make it in making a measurement Ina told us that we were before, I think. But yeah, and then a third theory, um, which is raised by teratology students, which um the it's the study of defamations in humans, animals, and plants. What's that? Um, that just, didn't <laughs> simplify it. <laughs> it's like you know, you know, like birth defects and things. Oh, okay. And yeah. not just birth defects, because they they do defects in animals throughout life. 
but kind of genetic dispositions from what I gather yeah. that causes um, just different people. Um, they uh, raised a theory that human and animal fetuses both have been found to have a rare birth defect that causes a single eye located in the middle of the forehead. I've seen that before. Yeah, it rings a bell. Well, yeah, it's it's like, I think I've seen a picture of it, but like the problem with that theory is that the nose is usually above the eye with that birth defect. So they'd have the eye in the forehead and the nose above it. Um, Which that's unlike Cyclops depictions and things of like the Homeric Cyclops that has one eye and then a nose underneath and then a mouth. But it's still a valid theory, I think. Maybe they'd they'd see that and think it was something to do with the Cyclops. I don't know. Hmm. You would without without the knowledge of, of birth defects and stuff, and especially if yeah, if you'd never seen someone have a birth defect, yeah, or something, you you would be like, well, there is a there is a like myth about something with one eye. This child's been born with one eye. It must be this one of these one-eyed giants. To do with like genetics and stuff, I had like a point written down. Like I, I was looking at it last night. Yeah, there's like a, a theory about it about um, uh, how do you pronounce it? Like gigantism, giganticism. Oh yeah, that you know there was, there was people who were actually seven, eight foot, just really big. Yeah, and they were perceived as like I know it doesn't account for the one eye. That's that's, that's the only thing. It doesn't account for having. Well, oh, yeah, eye. but maybe maybe it was just passed on by word of mouth. Maybe one of those people might have lost an eye or something, and yeah. then bumped into yeah. a load of people. That person goes back to their village and says, "Wow, I've just seen a one-eyed giant," and then <laughs> yeah. it passes on. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of really big people. Thing is, you can't even guarantee. I mean, Will Sighton himself is seven foot tall. Some say eight. Some say eight. I, I've heard people even say that he can pick people up with his hand, just with one hand. Yeah, one time. I, I actually measured myself the other day, and I was... I don't, I don't think it was right because I measured myself, but I'm pretty sure... It was, it was right because it was 35 feet. <laughs> <laughs> it was roughly the size of the Eiffel Tower. He <laughs> measures himself. You know, like, when, when you have, like, on your wall, like, little yeah. marks. <laughs> of, of where you grow like that's that will does that but like on the side of buildings <laughs> like, the Empire State Building she's got little chalk lines like Will aged 11 can I just like let the listeners know that I'm not actually 8 foot <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, average height there's nothing wrong with it <laughs> this, you shouldn't should be embarrassed Will has 8 foot 2 if it matters in his Tinder bio <laughs> 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 and uh, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and it does. Right. Um, so, also, um, I've got here that Cyclops like creatures, as we were mentioning earlier, um, are also mentioned in different um, cultures. So, there's obviously giants in a lot of in a lot of cultures. You've got your Norse giants. You've got Siberian giants people like there's a lot of myths about giants but specifically one-eyed giants um are mentioned in turkic legend where there was i think i can't remember his name but he was a specific one-eyed giant um and also um Scythian mythology um in which there was apparently a race of one-eyed giants that went to war with griffins mm. and another interesting but kind of Slightly related fact is that um, griffins in Sivia um, have been theorised to uh, be interpretations of fossils of protoceratops, um, which is similar to the uh, Cyclops story. Um, so obviously, you've got Cyclops as being inter- interpreted uh, interpreted from uh, dwarf elephants. Yeah, and I read that last night, that Protoceratops thing. I read that. That's yeah, that. it's mad, isn't it? Ancient miners found skeletons of griffins. Yeah. That's cool. It's, thing is, as well, on, on like 
Well, he's like Tur- Turkish legend and Scythian legend. Turkish mm. and the Scythians are all re- quite close, almost like interlinked. They're all in the Greek the world. Like, it could have been spread yeah, around yeah. the Black Sea. Could have yeah. been spread, like, all over. So it's culture spread and myth spread and stuff like that. It's like, look at Rome. That's virtually had a large amount of Greek culture and especially religion. Got a little bit more about where the Cyclops were interpreted to be. So if we're going with the whole theory that they were just a race of people that were just it through oral tradition and word of mouth morphed into these mythical beings. Um, Thucydides states that um, the first inhabitants of Sicily were the Cyclops or the Lystragonians, which are another race of giants that are described in the Odyssey, um, with reported local belief that Hephaestus, um, the craftsman god, um, resided on the nearby island to Sicily of Vulcano um, with his Cyclops assistants. So apparently he had Cyclops working at, working at his massive forge with him. Um, and they apparently worked at forges under active volcanoes. That's what the local traditions were, according to Thucydides. So also Euripides locates the Cyclopses on uh, Sicily near Mount Etna, which again works with the whole active volcano theme. Um, and Virgil wrote that they worked in vast underground caverns bet- uh, between Sicily and the Aeolian Islands, of which Volcano is one of them. Um, Callimachus has them on Lipari, which is another Aeolian island. Um, so all of these kind of humanizes them a bit more. It's like ties them down to a place rather than just this like godlike being that could be anywhere at once. It, it ties them down. So it makes you think maybe they do have a route from somewhere they have originated as a Sicilian legend. Like, it could just be like a like the civilized people go to an island and then the people on the island are uh, giants and yeah, suppo- like, you know, like, supposedly uncivilized. So they make yeah, a like civilized like, to the oh, they eat people, they're giants. They've got one eye. Like yeah. I think, I think a lot of it is is just a kind of word of mouth kind of perversion of the truth. But um, they're they're in a load of uh, myths like. The Dionysia, which is the longest epic poem um, about Dionysus um, conquering India, um, he apparently recruited the Cyclopses, who were apparently really good um, warriors. So not only are they good masons, they're good craftsmen, they're good shepherds, and they're good warriors. They're, they're all around. They're just. I think people idolise them. I do. <laughs> I mean, Homer didn't idolise them. Homer kind of made them out to be a bit a bit thick again I'm back to this thing about changing representation of Cyclopses in media Mm. (laughs) do you you know one great Cyclops X-Men oh he was a good one he wasn't that big though he wasn't giant no the problem he was powerful he was powerful so he did fit into that kind of thing I don't know if he if he was a good craftsman. Maybe he liked you know a bit of woodwork in his spare time. He would have set it on fire. A star in DT. <laughs> Did somebody call? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was so bad at DT. I made like one jewelry box, and bless him, my mum still keeps it now. And honestly, it is the worst thing you ever see. It's like wonky. I couldn't even put the screws in. Honestly, it's. It's like someone's dropped it through a window. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I, I thought I was okay. <laughs> I don't want to toot my own horn, but, you know, I made a wagon. <laughs> <laughs> I made my family a house. <laughs> my family travelled over. Tra- my family travelled it on the great <laughs> manifest destiny and all that. <laughs> oh, Brilliant. Go 
was that one person D two who actually came up to came to do things and I'll just have a, have a, have a free literally time. that was Will Sison. Will Sison was the person who like stayed back behind with the DT teacher at oh, the end I of the lesson project. And and he went and then all of a sudden he comes back and he's made the Mayflower. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's canon. I'm saying that as a, as an actual thing. That's that's the second truth that we've emerged. Really, I made the Mayflower. Will Sison actually made the, the Mayflower. That's straight after Will Sison's twelve. The Atlantic Ocean. So, if you want me to have any shells, <laughs> trust me. Honestly, Will, there's so much stuff that needs to do around mine and Joe's house that we need someone to come in and do. Please. Yeah, get you get your woodwork you on. With my utility belt and everything. Like, what's the problem? <laughs> Will Sison with his hard hat. Right, anyway, back on to uh, Cyclops. I've got another, another little bit. My last little bit is um, some latest traditions trace the Cyclops Polyphemus, which is the guy who gets blinded in the Odyssey by Odysseus, um, as the mythical ancestor of the Celtic and Illyrian people thought that were quite interesting so okay. at the end of the day we might all have a bit of cyclops in us again though that sort of to me it seems sort of like the um the, saying the, like, yeah saying all oh, the celts the gauls yeah. seems like, like a roman thing was, that they made up about the gauls yeah like of course we were descended from cyclopses because cyclopses like, like, oh they must be descended from cyclops they're eight foot tall men one eyes yeah. There's another thing I was thinking about Cyclops is. Um, yes. Uh, I don't want to admit this because I might get booted out of like UOM, but I was watching Forbidden History <laughs> the other day. You know, like, that thing where it's like ancient aliens and stuff. Oh, know? yeah. I was watching that. And there was an episode on giants, I think it was in Malta or somewhere. Yeah. Or Sardinia. Oh, yeah, I've seen something about giants in like America and giant tombs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is literally, I mean, as far as I know, there is literally no evidence for them. But again, it, no. it could be. But there's this myths about giants like everywhere, but like stuff like that, you definitely just can't believe it. Like I watched a full documentary, it was like two hours of like this group of like Americans trying to locate this tomb of this giant. It was like, oh, he's, he's going to be 50 foot tall. And then it just ended and it was like, oh, we just broke into the tomb. Tune in next series. There never was a next series. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's all I've got about uh, Cyclopses now. So, on to the next, um, I wouldn't say monster, but piece of mythology, um, cryptid figure. Cryptid, oh. Why a, not monster? Save that for the cryptids episode. I don't know, I think, I think monster has bad connotations. But I suppose the Minotaur does as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, the Minotaur was Minotaur like one of the worst. Yeah. Then again, I guess he was very badly. He had very. He had like bad, a bad childhood. Didn't yeah, he? to be fair, he had a bad yeah. childhood. But like any any monster that you you have to sacrifice a virgin a year to, he didn't have quite to. bad. He didn't have to. He didn't well, have to. Will was there. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Will, Will in the court of King Minos. He didn't have to give him. I read. I saw. I read. He didn't have to actually give him kids. Yeah, he 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 could have fed him. You know, I mean, it was. Could have just given him a sandwich. He could have just given him a sandwich, and he would have been fine. But why? Who, who like, brought? Who thought of that idea then? Because he was annoyed at his wife for having sex with a bull. What was he? He thought I'm going to feed the bull virgins. Yeah, Lewis will probably talk about this anyway. So let Lewis talk about it. God, Greek myths weird. I'm not, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, go on, Lewis. Um, you take that topic. My, uh, so anyway, we talk about the, min the Minotaur. Minotaur, Minotaur, not getting into a grammar debate for another episode. Uh, let's do it. No, let's do it. I, it's, it's, it's definitely Minotaur. It's 100% Minotaur. Not, anyone who says Minotaur gets out. Said min or Minotaur. Minotaur's the uh, worst no, one. No, 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 no. So, I mean... I think we all have a good understanding of Theseus and Minotaur. <laughs> we know what happens. I, this isn't this isn't a Greek mythology re recap show. What I think is interesting today 
is looking at some of the origins behind the Minotaur um, and some of the explanations that uh, archaeologists and scientists and geologists have put together for why we have the Minotaur in mythology. So like, the first thing I want to talk about is the inspiration behind the, the Minotaur. So I don't actually have this down, but I'll put it in the comment section. Uh, not the comment section, the description, uh, where it's from. But um, Lewis commenting on his own video. <laughs> <laughs> Great video, bro! <laughs> so the original um, thought of the inspiration behind the, the Minotaur was that Nosos, which is a place where you get Nosos, yeah, we, it's a place where you get to in a second anyway. But originally, there was quite a big spot where it was like a bull jumping. So like the guy, I assume, jumps over the bull in some kind of acrobatic style. And if you can imagine it from face on. Like I've seen that on frescoes and things. Yeah. Um, from like old Minoan sites. Well, this is the thing. Like it, it's, it's a sport as well. A, a sport, you know, um, event at the time anyway. Um, and the kind of theory is that when the guy jumps over the bull, from certain views, the bull and the man become one together at the time. Um, so this is kind of influencing um, this idea of a minotaur and stuff. But the fun thing here is, um, when we actually looked at the material culture for the labyrinth itself, um, there's one theory that I'll put in the description as well about um, the fact that the labyrinth kind of replicates the complex city structure of Nossos itself. So Nossos is like such a I don't know, maybe meticulously planned city or area where it like, could be compared to a labyrinth. So when we actually mm. for the labyrinth itself, I mean, people think it's this place called Gorton Caves in Nossos, but, and there is some caves and stuff. That, it's like it's a cave system which could be described as a labyrinth, but there's no actual evidence to say this is what it's based on or anything. But I think when we look at mythology, we've got to think about why mythology was written and why mythology was passed down. Um, and it's the same thing as religion. I think we look to mythology to kind of rationalise things in the ancient world that we couldn't necessarily explain then, uh, that we can explain now. So these kind of stories and stuff, um, I mean, there's, there's like running themes, there's creation, there's death, there's, uh, you know, running themes in myths and things that um, kind of all, like, it's, it's a cyclical kind of thing. But the actual link to Minotaur is, comes from earthquakes and tectonic plates. Now hear me out on this one, hear me out. So there's no actual early written sources of the Minotaur that describe its appearance. It's just that there's a Minotaur in the cave. Oh, we're running out of time on Zoom. But um, so it's like, there's no actual say it's half bull, half man. And some things say it's, you know, it's got a bull head man body. Some say it's got like a man, it's got like a, like almost like a centaur. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the fun piece of evidence from this is comes from a guy called Callimachus. Don't know if you've heard that before. <laughs> Kalima. <What's that> <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I might have I might have stumbled across it. It took two in the street to make an Indiana Jones reference. With two episodes of this already in there. Kalima. So Callimachus describes from Crete anyway. Um, that underneath Crete there's a bellowing coming from upwards um and so people are like oh my god it's the minotaur like it's hungry he wants he wants like you know a sacrifice down there so i think people kind of think that this emerged from this idea that there was something underneath crete and if you look at the actual geology of crete it becomes a little bit more simple because marine fossils from boulders that have been moved around and thrown from the ground and stuff right by tectonics and tsunamis so the actual area itself is very tectonically active and it sits on the um i think it's like the aegean fault or the aegean something yeah um and that slides over the nubian uh, plate as well so if you think where crete is like it's like just right africa's kind of below really isn't it so yeah. where yeah. those two faults actually meet um this is literally like a, a gcse um <laughs> a gcse geography recap show here at this point but um so <laughs> name naming six marks fully yeah so the aegean plate and the nubian plate are together at this point but they're differently from different tectonic plates because it's called an uplift so where crete is in the plates 
the Nubian plate slides underneath and the Aegean plate slides upwards. So at times there's been 30 foot of uplift from Crete from plate sliding. Now, I'm getting somewhere with this and much talk about geology. But <laughs> you're losing us, Lewis. <laughs> people are thinking that this, bell- this bellowing itself is actually just these tectonic plates moving and you know the earth shaking and you know the Minotaur's angry. Um, so all this all this movement from underground can just be explained through tectonics and geology. Um, but it's interesting to look at because you can look at where the traces of mythology, the traces of folklore and stuff all come from the realm of science and I'm going to brag about here about my A-level in RS, but there's this theory in philosophy called the God of the Gaps theory. Everyone's <laughs> flexing their really good grades. <laughs> I feel like I've missed out. Will Sice in here making woodwork by Bishop Lewis Day. <laughs> <laughs> that could not be further from the truth. <laughs> but uh, but um, the God of the Gaps theory anyway says that um, as unexplained things in the world as we get more knowledge about science the room for god gets smaller and smaller and smaller so the more things we know the less we need god um and the less we need uh, you know folklore and mythology to explain things so this is where that kind of mythology and science intertwine in this aspect because you know we've seen that people from the sounds and from earthquakes and from tsunamis and stuff blame it on gods and you know demons and you know creatures and everything but it's interesting to look at because we can see how mythology is so entwined with science and things um and the actual minotaur itself i mean the concept of a guy on the ground shaking the earth and stuff like it's like it'd be scary for like someone in like ancient crete yeah like the ground is literally moving 30 feet upwards out of the water You'd like, have no reason, especially in that culture, you'd have no reason to think it wasn't a creature doing that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, prior to this anyway, I imagine there's, there's folklore. There's folklore in every culture. Um, mm-hmm. And also, it's, it's the easiest thing to kind of comprehend at a time. You know, this, um, back to philosophy, when we look at like the theory of like, Occam's razor and stuff, like all things being equal, uh, the simplest explanation is most, most likely going to be the best one. Um, what's the simplest explanation in this place? Well, I guess not the simplest, but... <laughs> An explosion was placed. The Minotaur's angry. There was a man with a bull's head. <laughs> there was a man with a bull's head living in a labyrinth underneath the, the town. And he's hungry and, and he wants feeding. Well, it, it's easier to comprehend. <laughs> it's easier to comprehend the new let's, let's, let's chuck some more sod down there. <laughs> That's what I mean. But it, it's easy I'm really upset at the amount of people they've thrown down into this labyrinth. Allegedly, and it's just actually allegedly. been a tectonic plate. Fully. But like that's what I mean, like people didn't have any knowledge of tectonic plates, so it's easier to say, Oh, it's the Minotaur down there, guys. Um I think that's really I think it's so interesting though to look at where we can see where mythology comes from and use the science that we have now from geology and archaeology and see it's to put a meaning behind it. Yeah, because I mean there's there's actual written sources saying there's bellowing in Crete. Obviously we can't look at seismic records from like seven hundred BC. But in Crete today, like the actual records themselves um, show that there's constant, constant tectonic energy, which does make, well, not necessarily a bellowing sound, but there's so many earthquakes and there's so many um, geological things going on in Crete all the time. Um, and there's actually a really cool TED Talk video um, that kind of like goes over this. I saw a few weeks ago um, about like tectonics and the Minotaur and stuff. And there was like a thing about um, Do Pele in Hawaiian mythology. Football. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I no, thought you meant Pele is in the famous Brazilian footballer. Yeah, in football in Hawaiian mythology. Basically, she's like the um, god of fire, but also like fertility and stuff. But it's like when we see a volcano erupt in Hawaii, um, we see things like you know, it's for them it was oh it's Pele like you know she's come to make the th- volcano fertile again because. The stuff that comes out of the volcanoes obviously makes very fertile land and stuff. Yeah. But we see how things like kind of uh, come from like natural phenomena and everything. We see how mythology develops from natural phenomenon. Um, is that Moana? Where, is, that, is, that, is that Moana? Um, I think so, yeah. The island, the woman is that, yeah, is that based on. I, I can't know. remember what it's called in Moana. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's. Um, uh, is it Tafiti or something? <gasps> Tafiti, yeah, that yeah, written Tafiti, name, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 
I think Moana is more like oh, is Polynesia like New Zealand and Hawaii? Polynesia is yeah. It's, it's a lot of yeah. Yeah. I'm not quite sure, but there is a lot of islands, so it yeah. can't be all of them. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But um, I think it's a really interesting concept to like look at. See, we like we literally have reason. Well, enough evidence to say the the story like the such the it's so famous like sorry Minotaur and stuff developed through tectonic plates. I think that's crazy. So like I'm not as yeah. Uh, so I'm not as not as convinced by the bull jumping thing by yeah. you know morphing into one. Although I do think like. Well, just because like it's anyone who went to go and see bull jumping wouldn't be like it's a minotaur, yeah. and anyone who saw the fresco wouldn't be like it's a minotaur. They'd be like it's people jumping over bulls. Yeah, exactly. I know. But also yeah. as well, Minoan culture was based around bulls. Well, not based around, but it was very heavily influenced by bulls. Like the architecture is, is a lot of the bull, bull horns. Yeah, and, like, they were very into like. Didn't they? They liked Poseidon quite a lot, didn't they? I don't know about Poseidon. From, from, from what I know, and I might just be making this up. But they like like Poseidon. One of Poseidon's animals, as well as like horses, is bulls. Right. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Mm. We, we were very. The culture was very like centered around bulls and bull, like. Yeah. Paraphernalia. I don't know. So I, I can still see that as someone coming to. Uh. Crete and being like, you know, minotaur bulls, it, it, like a natural progression. Yeah. But I, I also did like a lot of lot of reading on my long essay about the tectonic plates in Crete, and I completely agree with that idea of that, like crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like Crete was constantly like, you know, whoa, <laughs> <Earth> shaking. <laughs> it was Crete was constantly whoa, whoa. <laughs> But like, I get you completely get what you mean where you're coming from with that, with like, the ground shaking, noises yeah. coming from the ground, you know, from caves. You didn't know what it was. Yeah, it could probably easily be mistaken as like a bull sort of sound. And They get distorted in like caves and things to sound, so it might have come through as like a bull sound. If you yeah. hear a bull sound down like, under there, you might think, well, mine's on it. Exactly. Yeah. Also, I was, last night when I was researching for this, I uh, was looking at this website, a real crappy website, like, you know, ancient history. No, no, I don't know. Just a real crappy website, not very trustworthy. But I was reading it, and it gave, like, another origin story for the Minotaur. Mm -hmm. I thought oh. it was quite interesting. What's up? It said that Plutarch talks about King Minos having a festival every year to commemorate his dead son, Androgeos. Yeah. And... And rather than giving a normal gift like olive oil or gold, he decided let's give him an Athenian kid as a prize. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one time, a general Taurus won the prize. Obviously, Taurus bulls. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, and apparently, he was so horrible and he brutalized the kids so badly that he was like seared into the into the. Cretan people's minds and like Greek people, the Greek in consciousness. Of so how he got seen as the monster. Yeah, and after time, apparently evolved. It just evolved into Taurus being. His name was Taurus. He must have been part bull. Yeah, and he was so weird. And the king minus giving Athenian children to him to brutalize. Yeah. I mean, so really, as far after as I know, all that, man is the monster. Man is a monster. I mean, as far as I know, it didn't give any links to any actual site, you know, citations or anything. Didn't give any backing up to any of this. It's a nice story, though. But it, yeah, it's a cool idea. Nice I've not heard that. Right. I've got one, two, three, four, five. About five things. Really small little pointers, but just like five monsters that I was researching. I researched a lot of monsters last night. Welcome everyone to Will Sison's bonus five monsters. <laughs> At number five, we have the centaur. If you don't know what a centaur is, um, a centaur is like a half human, half horse hybrid kind of creature. Um, the origins behind this allegedly 
come from the interactions between the Scythian, the Scythians, and the Greeks. So the Scythians were like a nomadic horse riding culture. And I mean, this is a very dodgy website last night that I was reading. However, they allege that when Greeks first met Scythians, their view of them, because they hadn't really seen many horse riding people before, their view of them was like half human, half horse hybrids. Mm. With that explains the bow and arrows, because you always yeah. see representations yeah. of Scythians with bow and arrows. Yeah. Horseback archers. Yeah. I mean, that's all I have on Zentor. <laughs> That's good, I like that. It's a good bonus fact. It's a good bonus fact. Bonus round, it'll good well. Will Sison's treasure trail. Number four, we have the Basilisk. Ooh, um, I love the Basilisk. The Chamber the Basilisk. of Secrets. You are. <laughs> the Chamber of Secrets, Basilisk. That's, that's two out of two of our episodes that we've mentioned Harry Potter. Of course. <laughs> it's going to be a running theme, is it? Uh, so, Basilisk <laughs> is like basically a massive snake. Almost with like a chicken body, I think. Mm. It's a bit weird. It's, it, there's, there's loads of different depictions of it. Like Harry Potter chicken depicted body. it as a massive snake. Yeah. Well, I've yeah. seen ones where it's like a scaly kind of chicken with wings yeah, yeah. that are like massive. It's got like a bird, some some of the bird features, some are just massive snakes. Kind of like a griffin, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's not like that. Yeah, but with a snake head. Yeah. Mm. So, like, a lot of it. The ideas around that change and a, a lot between time and place. Um, like there's a famous story about in Poland or Germany in the 1500s about a, a family being, well, some kids being taken away and the, the family went to go and find them and they came to this mansion and went in the basement of this mansion and everyone just was petrified with fear and stood still and we just couldn't move. And that's because the basilisk is it's, its venom is so strong that it paralyzes you just even being near it or even looking at you, almost like Medusa. Mm. But mm. Um, again, so like origins behind this could be uh, in could be Egyptian, North African Egyptian. Yeah. So in Libya, Egypt, sort of area, there's a cobra known as the Egyptian cobra, which. Um, it's known to stand up on its like, like not stand up, what's the word? Like, <laughs> no, it raises itself up. I get what you mean. Raise, yeah, yeah. raise itself up, and it stares at its prey for a time. So, like, if you're a human or you see this, it stands up, hisses at you, hisses venom at you, stares at you, and then attack attacks. And obviously, humans might have been scared of this. And oh, yeah, like, you might be frozen with fear of a giant cobras like spitting venom at you. I yeah. Would. <laughs> so that's again that's another sort of personally I just left duck it but you know <laughs> left that's just like... me <laughs> I just left duck it just left duck it <laughs> I mean rather you than me no hesitation well that's I mean it's it, yeah that that's like the sort of origins behind that I couldn't find much more I mean it, it's been reported a lot in Roman and Greek mythology um more so in medieval mythology, but, but it has been reported in Greek and Roman mythology as, as like a snake kind of creature. But again, it like yeah. I say, it, it could just be related. Just coming back to this Egyptian cobra. Um, but it's how things get across through word of mouth. Like things, it, it's like Chinese whispers again could just emerge it into this big. Or at first it was a cobra that freezes you with fear. Then it's a cobra that freezes you. Then it's. The head of a cobra on a chicken, like <laughs> it's, it's, it depends how people pass it on the information. <laughs> number three, right now number three. Um, number three. Me and Lewis were talking about this pre pre production, pre pre recording. Uh, the Kraken. I realise now that it's not actually Greek mythology. However, I've got it written down. I love the and Kraken. I, sorry, I'm just going to go for a tangent here. I think the Kraken is like the best thing in mythology. I really do. I'm I'm, I'm so sold on the Kraken. It's cool. I isn't think it? it's great. It's so cool. Giant what, but, how cool is that? It's so cool. A big octopus that eats ships. I mean, it's real. It sounds real. I'm what, sold. What, what, I'm sold. It could be real. A lot of the seas are unexplored. That's very true. Look, I, what I was thinking was, I'm personally I'm not a classicist, and I haven't actually read. The Odyssey or the Iliad, 
shock horror. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty. Isn't there some some kind of sea monster in there? So I'm gonna lump the crack. I think in. there is. Yeah, I think there is. Well, this this Scylla and Charybdis, like Charybdis being a whirlpool generating kind of big old water balloon that sits on the bottom of the ocean, hmm. and then Scylla's kind of like a hydra, like three heads and sits on a big rock. So scientists recently found a squid that weighs a lot, and it's actually massive. No, that sounds really bad. <laughs> it's huge! It's, it's really big! So yes, yeah, scientists, scientists have found a 600 pound squid and when you see those images of, of how big deep sea squids can get... And like when they wash up. Hmm. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, like, if an ancient person saw that, you know... It'd be a monster. It wouldn't be a, a usual appearance, would it? Yeah. You wouldn't expect it coming. You would, no, you would not expect it coming. Nobody expects a squid. <laughs> That's the title of this episode. <laughs> Nobody expects the squid. Um. Okay. So yeah. So yeah. That's that's it on the kraken. Number four. That's my favourite. Are we going back out. up? Hmm? I feel like we're going back up the numbers. I feel like you started like five, four, three, four. <laughs> 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 okay, four slash two, whichever one it is. Four the slash two. two. Now, oh, yes, sirens. listeners, pre pre recording when we're discussing what we're talking about to do for this for this uh, podcast, I said that once I'd heard that manatees had been mistaken for sirens or mermaids, and yeah. you who me, you you said that is not true. No, no, no! You didn't say manatees. You said sea lions. Oh, Straight was. after we said, "Oh, sirens are well known for their beautiful song," and then you were like, "Well, maybe there were sea lions," and just it just brought to me an image of like, like you know, seamen being lured to their death by just. Ur, ur, ur. Okay, so yeah, so on on this other really crappy uh, website, completely like you know, non-reliable. I found some information that dugongs, I think it's, is that pronounced it, dugong? Yeah, that's like, like a manatee thing, isn't it? Yeah, is I had a cousin as well. You are, sorry? Dugong's a Pokemon as well, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. I think there's something that has the do kind of. It's dugong. Wait, is, is a dugong actual thing, not just Pokemon? Yeah, yeah dug- a dugong's a thing, dude. It's like a manatee. A sea cow. So a dugong, not the Pokemon, the animal, is suggested to be, it's a relative of, of the manatee and, the ele- and an elephant. Um, there is absolutely no evidence at all that a sailor wo- so, sailed past it and thought, mmm, the siren. <laughs> <laughs> One suggestion <laughs> this site actually has is that well, what, what we, hypo- we hypothesised was that if an ancient sailor were to sail past, because dugongs and manatees all live on like rocks, you know, like outcrops from the sea. Yeah. Yeah. The suggestion was that we maybe, perhaps in the ancient times, sailed past, said, oh, that's a pre- pretty funky looking animal over there. We sailed closer and then hit the rocks. Uh, so it was more out of inquisitiveness. Yeah. That's a one suggestion we have that could link him to the siren myth. But I'm taking it. Yeah, Yeah, I'm taking it. If I saw like a dugong on a rock, I'd be pretty (laughs) taken aback to the point. I'd probably crush my butt. You'd want to at least see what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sirens. And then now, number one slash number five, whichever (laughs) one it is. (laughs) The Hobbit. The Hobbit? Oh, oh, we're going to talk about um, Homo Floriensis. Hell yeah, we're going to talk about Homo Floriensis. Oh, I love him. <laughs> this isn't Greek Next one. or Roman. When I was, last night I was looking at mythology and I was like, how can we forget The Hobbit? Like, it's cool. It's out there. It's technically proven. So basically, like <laughs> about ten, like a couple of years ago, in a cave in Indonesia, some scientists found a skeleton of a, a human relative that was tiny. 
about they were all really small then i think it is it is homo floriensis isn't it yeah yeah because there's a lot there was a lot found around indonesia like loads of new human species and derivatives well just recently as well i think they Mm -hmm. found um they found like i I don't know i think it was indonesia around there anyway but like uh, a new family that could like like adapt trees and stuff which i think is pretty cool really yeah, well, maybe not adapt trees, but like, could, like easily climb up trees and stuff. Well, yeah, but like I find, like it's it's really like intriguing how they there's like hot spots. For example, um, there's the Denisovans that were around the same time as we were around, and Neanderthals were around. Yeah. So, and then there's like the third one, which was like East Asian, and the Denisovans, and like. In, they were all found in one cave. Like there was humans, like anatomically modern humans, and Neanderthals and Denisovans all in Denisova cave. Yeah. What's the, what's the Denisovan? Uh, it was. I don't really know the physio the the physiological traits of them, yeah. but they kind of they were the human derivative of like Southeast Asia, so roundabout. Indonesia area and, and upwards and um, they've been found as far north as like Siberia so they mixed with both humans and Neanderthals when Neanderthals were in Europe. I mean I haven't done too much research on hobbits because I think that would be a cool episode in itself. That would be a cool but, episode. Oh definitely. Uh, but yeah I just I was researching along and I was like I can't not say the word hobbit when I've just found <laughs> <laughs> So, but yeah, evidence has been found of miniature, uh, like, um, species related to humans, which resemble hobbits. And obviously, J.R. Tolkien didn't directly get influenced by these people. Oh, yeah, but but it's weird how things work out like that, isn't it? Who knows, Mm. though? He was a cool guy. I don't think he was a cool guy. I think he did some problematic things. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... um... I haven't heard anything, but I haven't been looking, to be honest. So. Yeah, to be honest, I feel like most people from that era Not might have that. said or done something questionable in terms of opinion, especially writers, a lot of writers and poets. So we've discussed hobbits, we've discussed the Minotaur, Cyclops, Sirens. We've got so much content for another episode in this. I think we could talk about this. Everything in between. Yeah, fully. Um, so I, I think we need to do another episode on this. Maybe not next week, but at some point we need another episode. Yeah, it. I think we need to we need to look yeah. deeper, have a look at some more, so myths. more behind mythology. Like there's so many different creatures and things. So like much. Just, yeah. yeah, everything's got some level of reality around it. Yeah, just need to find it out. So thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks for listening for last week. Had a great response from that. Thanks to everyone who reached out and said we had a watch. Um, went really well so yeah so tune in next week for Alice Nikki and Jenny with Aided Archaeology they're on to B now I think they're discussing Burka uh, burials Burka Viking burials so that should be a fun one right up my street with that one Um, and yeah so (laughs) that's bye from us all goodbye goodbye Goodbye. we're never going to find a way to make this sound natural good (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. 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 Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.